well, even though F1 has some of the greatest minds in the world in the engineering field, it appears they still still cannot count to five. And apparently I can't even speak to mine. At least the majority of them can count to two, as that's where most drivers came home in a one-two formation. Welcome to episode 266 of Grid Talk. We are here today to discuss the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. My name, as always, is Tom Downey, and joining me, we have F1 Chronicle co-host Owen Medford. Hello, sir. Hello. We have F1 historian Alex Booth. And we also have the host of the Grip Strip podcast, Philip Matthew. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. Right. Just before we get into today's episode, for you lucky devils listening and indeed watching live, we must thank our sponsor for this episode, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the final four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure that you use the promo code BLEAVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. That's betonline.ag, where the game starts. Now, speaking of things starting, let's get into the podcast and the review of the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So first of all, oh, I'm going to come to you. It is the king of the street circuit, as some people like to call him with his fifth ever race win in F1, Sergio Perez. Not a bad day for him, all in all. Yeah, it's sort of Monica that crept up on me a little bit. Uh, but you look at that through, uh, through the places he has done well, and they do seem to be street circuits. Um, yeah, it was... It was a, basically it was a, it was a great victory for uh, for Perez. I, I think it's you know a lot of it's helped by the fact that um, the Red Bull is as we saw class of the field. Um, but you know he didn't have it all his own way. Obviously uh, Alonso being Alonso uh, put up a fight at the start and uh, and did manage to pass him. But um, you know Perez kept his head quickly repassed um, and then using the strategy from the safety car, um, you know making sure they didn't pit too early like Ferrari did. Uh, you know, came out and uh, and honestly to put up quite a good restart um, to hold off. Uh, you know, the you know the character that is Alonso basically. You know, he's he's the sort of person that isn't isn't going to be caught napping, and uh, yeah, he just kind of romped into the distance really, uh, and he and he just seemed able to to pull out a gap. Didn't do, lose too many mistakes. Obviously, it was low deck circuit, uh, so um, he wasn't in danger of any sort of tire worries, and but. You know, he just kind of he just got it home. Um, yeah, he got it home, but uh, with with no issues really. So, you know, it's good work from him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's always been well known for his uh, his tire management skills and being gentle on them. And I think today proved exactly that. But um, speaking of being gentle on the car, Alex P two is his teammate Max Verstappen. Obviously, suffered a um, mechanical issue in qualifying that saw him st- start down in fifteenth. On, on, on the grid, came through the fields, perhaps got a bit lucky with with the safety car to, to bring him into contention and then just showed his class and his speed by finishing P2 and taking the fastest lap. 
how do you rate his performance this evening? For some reason. No. I don't know. Yeah, it was perfect performance by Matt Verstappen, um, highlighted by the superiority of the Red Bull. Um, I wasn't really surprised that he was on the podium. I was I was expecting that. Um, but uh, he, did, he did exactly what he had to do. He came through the field with no problem at all. Um, as you mentioned, he, he probably got a bit lucky with the safety car, but I still think he I still think he would have finished second eventually. Um, probably probably um, not as close to Perez as he was. That brought him back into contention. Uh, and he got the fastest lap point at the end, which uh, has kept him in the lead of the championship uh, by that one solitary point. Um, but again, uh, a masterclass from uh, the Red Bull team this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. They've just they've showed their utter domination, and I fear it could be a bit of a walkover for them this season. But Phil, um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Finished P3 on the road, but due to a penalty for not being able to serve a penalty um, correctly, uh, the Alpine effect is still in place. Um, so ultimately finished P4. Fernando Alonso, your favourite driver um, on, on the grids. We all know how much how much you love him. He had a pretty good start. I think, I think, it's, I think it's fair to say, you know, he actually mugged Perez at, at turn one. Um and then obviously you took uh, took the penalties, including one being post race. Do you think the penalties were fair to be awarded to Alonso, both of them? I mean, the first penalty that he got on was straightforward. It was the same penalty that uh, Ocon had uh, last race. So that's they're kind of being sticklers on that. So okay, he did get a good start. He was ahead of Perez initially, but then Sergio did his stuff and got away. And if it wasn't for the random safety car, I think it, he might have finished second, actually. Uh, or th- I mean, no, he wasn't going to finish any worse than where he finished or on the road. Uh, the second penalty, I mean, it seems like a bit of, uh, I mean, unless they all had like all the cameras right on the Aston, the, the shot that they had of, of the car when he was taking his pit stop, you couldn't really see for sure if the jacks were touching. So that's, I'm not sure if that was the case. They said that they were. So in that case, it was an improper penalty or improper serving of a penalty because they were theoretically trying to work on the car. Uh, Alonzo has been in that sense. Yes, that was a five second penalty, but waiting as long as they did to kind of dictate it, um, it was only a one-stop race, so he really had no chance to really answer. And then also with the uh, the lack of, uh, I guess, well, by the by the end of the race with everybody kind of condensed in a pack, um, even though he had uh, a big uh, gap on the Mercedes, he wasn't going to be able to fight off one, both of them. He, so in the end, he lost one spot. But uh, in the grand scheme of things for, for him, he finally makes a good move and uh, he's in a good car in theory. Essentially they're the second best car on the grid and he's held serve against the teams that they're battling against, which is Mercedes and Ferrari. So for that, a positive weekend for him. Um, yes, a negative in, in those penalties, but they'll learn and um, he'll, he'll change. He'll fix that up. His plan was a little bit off today, but uh, it'll be better for Australia. 
yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it, it wasn't full L pain today for um, for Alonso, but it certainly wasn't exactly L plan. But uh, oh, and speaking of um, of Alonso's rivals, if if you like, uh, let's look at both the Mercedes drivers together. We can do that a bit this episode because a lot of the teams finished more or less next to each other. So George Russell finished P4, but promoted to P3 with Alonso's aforementioned penalty. And Hamilton ultimately P5, having gone for an alternate strategy. Do you think P4 and 5, if we take the penalty out of it for Alonso, if we look at the on-track on results, do you think P4 and 5 is the best they could have got today? Um, Yeah, uh, I think with the the way that Stroll obviously uh, had the DNF, so he uh, he became a, a non-factor um, after the first, what was it, third of the race. Um, and then you've just got Alonso in front. You know, I don't think anyone's going to catch the Red Bulls. Uh, uh, you know, it's an, op- it's an open secret that the, the Mercedes is is not anywhere near the, the front of the grid. Um, you know, their real rivals at this point are... Uh, Oh, the Ferraris, um, maybe the Alpines, if the Alpines have a little bit of pace. Um, and, but more, more importantly, I think it's the the Aston Martins, just because obviously they, you know, the Aston Martin is a customer team and it's forty percent their car. Uh, and if they can't be extracting performance like the like Fernando Alonso on the road has managed to today, um, you know, I think it's a it, it, it's an issue for them. So uh, th- this is probably the best they could have managed. Um, they do seem a little bit way off, uh, and they've only, they've profited off of um, uh, an uh, sorry uh, uh, an organisational procedural error. That, to be honest, I'm surprised that uh, Aston Martin have made. Um, we've seen time and time again uh, any any way of affecting the car uh, will result in a penalty, whether it's not serving the five seconds correctly by you know starting work in the traditional sense of, you know, putting the wheel guns on, or even uh, I've seen it in stop goes um, where, you know, using an air blower gun to, to try and cool the radiators while, while your car is stopped for that, for, for whatever period of time has also resulted in you having to redo the penalty because, you know, any amount of work is classed as work. So I'm surprised um, that teams haven't wised up to that. Um, but yeah, you know, Mercedes, I think have got to where they have, um, they, they, they run a good strategy all race. Um, they had a little bit of a drama with the with with sorting out the two drivers. I think Russell was probably right in the end. Um I think it might have been worse though, you know, prepping the drivers for Hamilton should just be let through immediately. Uh and then when his tie tires do in, uh, inevitably go off, uh then obviously, you know, let let Russell back through. But uh I think that would have been a faster way to run the race. They might have um, been able to get both drivers in front of Alonso that way. Um but of course they couldn't know based on not knowing the penalty. So um you know, I think I think it's like all things considered. I think I'm nitpicking if I say anything like that. Um, I think it's a, it's a decent it's decent work from the Mercedes there. Yeah, and like you said, you know, they didn't know about the Alonso penalty. They weren't sure if it was going to be a five second or ten second after. Hence why, um, hence why Alonso's engineer said to him, "You just just hold the five second gap," which he duly did. But uh, yeah, not not a, not a bad day for Mercedes, but banning stretch, but. Certainly not not where they'd want to be, but Alex, the two Ferrari drivers, uh, you finish finish uh, behind behind the Mercs, probably not where they want to be, especially given you know, given the the performance they feel they have in the car. Leclerc went for an alternate strategy, starting on softs, ended up pitting before, uh, sorry, pitting after science, 
went went long on the softs. I mean, you know, they, they were where, where they finished. Do you think they should have been ahead of at least one of the Mercedes, given their apparent pace? They should on paper, but they just had such poor race pace that it just it, it, it fell away from them. And I think they were held back to begin with initially because obviously Leclerc had his 10 place penalty. Had he been able to start from second, he might have been able to uh, finish on the podium. Um, but yeah, they just weren't very good on their tyres. And to finish behind both Mercedes, it's that's really poor from Ferrari considering, uh, yeah, they're not as quick as Red Bull and possibly uh, in a battle with Aston Martin, but to but to be behind both Mercedes, it's really not where Ferrari wanted to be, and it, it was just such a such a poor uh, performance by the by the team. And 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 Leclerc was uh, um, wasn't happy with the strategy call. Well, how many times have we heard that from from Ferrari? So uh, yeah, they, um, they 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 need to turn a corner really quickly. I think. Yeah, um, I I mean, given given how they started the season last season, you know, I. You know, I the uh, the Tifosi have certainly got hope and expectation, um, but I think it's turning more more into thoughts and thoughts and dreams by by this point. Um, just moving a bit further down the grid, Phil, we had the Alpine drivers. For once, they both managed to stay penalty free, especially Ocon. He um, he channeled that en- energy in into Alonso today. I mean, a, a do- double points finish for them, g- given their their apparent pace in uh, in. Not only preseason testing, but also in the practice sessions, you you know you would think they would they would be sort of P six P seven. Ultimately, they were P eight and P nine. Ocon put in a good move to get past Gasly. Do you think this is do you think this is a chance for them to kickstart their season, or uh, you know do, do you think they'll be ready to to take the fight to, to Mercedes? I believe they're they're in the mix with Mercedes at the moment. Uh, they'll. You can even add to a lesser extent Ferrari, I would say, uh, but I think it's also track dependent when it comes to the Alpine team. Uh, I I don't know. I've been saying it earlier in in the preseason shows that I don't know if we're really going to get a true view of every one of these teams and how much pace they really have for a few rounds here. We know Red Bull, of course, they're gone and it's over, but that's fine. Um, Aston at the moment basically is ahead, but will they continue to develop? Then that the next group is where the real battle lies, which is Mercedes or Ferrari, Mercedes, now Alpine. Um, getting double points today after the absolute disaster of Bahrain is a good recovery. Then they get to go and they'll have a, a gap of time here after Australia to go and maybe make some further adjustments. The car seemed pretty solid this weekend and it's a good sign for both drivers. They were able to race around each other cleanly. So that's what they have to do, especially constructors wise to compete. So, I mean, it was a good, good way. I I do agree. It's like basically a jump start for them because it was a lot of, uh, a lot of pain at Bahrain. So now they got uh, they got it done in Jeddah for whatever it was worth, and they'll move on and move forward. Yeah, no, it's um, I I I agree with what you just said. You know, it's a it's it's a better result for 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 both drivers. Um, funny enough, Dazzy actually finished. Um, Dazzy actually finished where where he started, and he also finished where he finished last week. 
So, um, so yeah, not uh, yeah, not not too too bad a result. But um, behind them, we had quite a good scrap at the end. Uh, oh, I, this was between Yuki Snowder and Kevin Magnuson. Um, Yuki, I mean, you know, he he, he finished P eleven. He was fighting to the death for for that last point, which would have been good for Alpha Tari because they've had quite a dismal start to the season. Did, did, what do you think about Yuki? I mean, you know, look at looking at his race today in general, and look at how his season's been so far. Give me your thoughts on Yuki in F one. Um, see, it's difficult to know. I think with Yuki, um, I think he's definitely got the 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 raw talent um, to be able to compete. Uh, the thing is, I don't, I, I've not seen that, that. I don't think there's that extra one or two percent um you know he he does seem a little bit wayward he doesn't seem um able to race maybe like he's he's a very quick driver but actually uh racing wheel to wheel um you know maybe he was a bit hamstrung i I know he was you know he he did a fairly uh, decent job of of uh keeping magnuson behind um in the latter stages but obviously the the tire advantage that uh magnuson had uh coming towards the end um you know it, it was it was obvious to see the moment magnuson was passed there was no uh, coming back for yuki and i don't think there's it's it's not the kind of circuit yeah there's a street circuit but it's not the kind of one where you can just place your car in the right places and and no one's going to get past you you know it's fast and flowing in the tire advantage it does come to the fore um you know i i wouldn't like to say that you know he doesn't deserve uh the seat or anything like that just just because um just because of that uh, and his inability to defend that position. Um, I think he did a decent job of getting up today. Um, but the the issue, I think, is that, um, you know, he's not... Maybe it's a bit it's a bit unfair to say he's, you know, he's been in F1 for, was it, three years now and not really set the world alight. Um, obviously, there's going to be, you know, there's, a, there's only a few places um, that can really get high, high praise. Um, but I think the fact that, you know, he's not managed to. He's not. He's not being looked at as an option um, in the AlphaTauri as a as a, as a replacement for Perez or anything like that. As far as I can tell, you know, he's not really sort of pushing on um, up the ladder of of the organisation he's in. Uh, I think it leaves him a little bit exposed, maybe because I think you know Red Bull as a as an organisation is at some point going to have some you know fast a newer faster driver. Um, there's there's a plethora of them in Formula Two. If you look at it, it's a wash with Red Bull uh, Red Bull livery cars. You know they've got they've got Nick DeFries in the car, um, who you know necessarily didn't do as well today, but it's going to be in a, like you know <laughs> that guy is is a world champion. At some point, he's going to come to the fore. I think it's 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 kind of it's looking increasingly unlikely that Yuki's going to stay in uh, in Formula One for the long term. So. Uh, and I and I don't see that changing. We've been saying well, we can wait, we can wait, but we've we've kind of waited long enough. I know it's the second race of the season, but we we've waited a number of years now, and it's not seeming to come off for him. Yeah, I, uh, again, I, I, I'm sounding a bit like a broken record today. I agree with what you said about Yuki. He hasn't sort of shown that next step, which. Um, uh, which certainly people like um, 
Talbot Marco, again, one of Phil's favorite people, will be will be will be looking out for. Um, so yeah, I I have a um I yeah, I have a feeling it could be his last season in F1. But Alex, speaking of um the drivers who Sonoda's battling with, obviously we mentioned K Mag. He took the last point and then his teammate uh Nico Hulkenberg ultimately finished P12 after he started P10. He'd qualified P11. Good to see at least a point for Haas. Um do you think they can do you think they can sort of take this result as a as a bit of a building ground, if, if you like? Do you think they can start to lay some foundations, especially as we have another street circuit in two weeks? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's good that Haas are off the mark. Uh, they've they've uh, got their first point of the season. Uh, Hulkenberg qualified well, uh, like he did in Bahrain, but again, Magnussen got the uh, got the upper hand in the race. Um, but I don't think Haas can really go, are really going to go a lot further than that. They they're not they don't have um, seem, seem to have a good show of speed like they did last year. Um, but they're probably going to have more more consistency because um, we've seen Mag- Magnussen's able to get results. Hulkenberg, I think the only thing he's really brought to Haas is experience and the fact he's able to keep the car on the road. Um, I know the old saying in racing is to finish first, first you have to finish, which um, you know whether you look whether whether you love Mick Schumacher or you dislike him, he did he did crash a lot, which cost Haas a lot of money and cost them some points. Um, so in that respect, the things are things are looking a bit brighter for them. But I um, I think you're going to see them finishing ninth uh, and tenth. A lot more than you are likely to see them finishing fifth or sixth. That's the way I would look at it. Yeah, I think um, I, I think it might be a bit of a false storm for us. Um, I mean, I, I for one would certainly like to see them do better, but um, I just oh, I, I I fear for fear for them a bit. And and obviously, you know, Hulkenberg's come in. You know, he's he's doing an all right job, but he's not, he's obviously not going to be there. Not going to be there for for the long term, and they they must have one of the oldest lineups on the grid. Actually, if you think about it, um, it's becoming a bit like the F one retirement home. Oh no, that's Formula E. Sorry, um, <laughs> but uh, but and but look, look, looking at looking at the other teams, let's chat about McLaren. Um, we've gone a bit off piece today because not being funny, it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting of races, and I'm not going to do a blow by blow of every driver because most of them just followed their teammate home. But Phil. McLaren, Oscar Piastri P15, uh, London Norris P17 after um, after Piastri qualified P8 and Norris qualified P19 after he made an error at at the final corner. He's also been taking lessons off Max. Um, this, uh, see, I can't make jokes about my own drivers as well. Um, I mean, where where has it gone wrong with McLaren? Tell tell me your thoughts. You know they went through more front wings than than um, than than years Piastri's been alive, and they just they just seem to be falling backwards both on grid and and off off track. It's just where do they go from here? Well, they're last in the constructors' championship, so all they can do is go up. Uh, the car is not good. Uh, they were having a call. Lando Norris, the golden child on the radio, to go and move over for his rookie teammate. And they were having a battle. And I mean, personal bias aside, because of where he comes from, uh, when your battle is with another rookie and probably the smallest team on the grid, and he's in only his second Grand Prix, and you're, that's the battle you're having for 15th, 
and your McLaren. Uh, it brings back uh, L plans comments about Formula Two engines. It brings back, harkens back all the way till the end of uh, Lewis's time there uh, at McLaren and Braun Dennis basically driving it into the ground. Uh, I mean, this is horrendous. I, I, you would have never thought that after last year when they were up there basically with Alpine as that fourth team, fourth or fifth best team the whole year, that they could just have a precipitous drop to the point where they can't even um, make a decent qualifying unless stuff happens. I mean, to be fair, I mean, no offense to Oscar, but you had a grid spot penalty for for um, uh, Charles Leclerc because he's got every new engine part known to man from Ferrari, but their LMP car ran perfectly fine on Friday. And then you have you – have, um, What's it called? Max Verstappen has a once in a once in a blue moon mechanical issue. So that's two spots. So there you go. He might have still got tenth. Okay, fine. But their cars are not fast. They do not seem to have anything going for them. And I mean, I what Alex said in terms of you know Haas probably will start falling backwards. I look at Williams, and I doubt that their their pace is going to last for a long time. So there is hope to get past those cars. But Alfa Romeo's very iffy. They're competing on the bottom end this year, which is crazy to think. Basically, they swap spots with Aston Martin. Um, that's really what what this has ended up being. So uh, it's got to be a hard pill to swallow for, uh, you know, for Zach Brown and company. But all you can do is try to develop and see what you can do and make the most of it. Uh, I mean, I don't know when they're going to make a change and make the car decent, but. They're going to have to do something probably after Australia and do a 180 for to hope things turn around. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's been mentioned that um, that McLaren have a um, have an upgrade coming in. I believe Baku. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong because I know Mercedes have got a apparently got a big spec coming for Emila. So hope, hopefully we'll see something from from McLaren then. Because you know, they, they do have two good young drivers there, um, but I, I bet at, at the moment Danny Rick is probably laughing his backside off, um, wiping the tears away with this twenty million, and then um, and Otmar's probably giggling to himself as well. But um, but there we are. You know, you 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 make your own bed, you've got to lie in it. Um, and yeah, I do I do I do fear for fear for McLaren. Um, just very quickly, we're not going to really sort of talk about talk about them that much because there wasn't an awful lot to note um the alfa romeo drivers of joguan Yu and valtteri bottas finished p13 and p18 not a good race for them at all they both started outside the points and they both finished outside the points obviously and bottas was the only one to get lapped um you know just not a good weekend for, for them at all and then the um the two williams drivers we had Logan Sargent finish P16 after he started at the back of the grid due to uh, due to a track limits violation in qualifying. Then Alex Albon DNF'd on lap 27 with a brake by wire issue. So the other driver who we haven't spoken about yet, and I want to bring this into a bit of a sort of wider conversation, is Lance Stroll. Now, for once, we're not we're not going to sit here and go, "Should Lance Stroll be an F1?" Because it's not that conversation. Stroll DNF on lap 16. He pulled the car off to the side of the track and his car was parked in front of a tractor. 
he then, or sorry, race control, I should say, then initially threw out uh, yellow flags in sector two where he was. And then after that, they threw out a full safety car. Now, I'm going to go around each of you individually and ask for your own views on this. Um, I know we spoke about it a bit in, in the race chat that we have on Slack. But first of all, Owen, do you think we needed a full safety car for this? Um, right. Just looking at the at the incident at face, but not a face value, but just as it happened, um, coming into, I think it's turn 13, uh, obviously Stroll has some kind of issue, gets told, you know, you see puffs of smoke out the back and then he gets told by the team to pull, uh, to, to stop the car on track, um, which he, you know, duly obliges, did a really good job, actually. It, it, it helps with the way the turn is, but he goes onto the outside, well out of the way, and then parts the car. He does a really good job uh, in actually getting the car round the, uh, round into the fire gap, um, oh, sorry, into the, into the sort of, not fire gap, into the marshal's gap with, with the little uh, orange painted uh, section to indicate it. And rather than just pulling a, a forward, um, you know, he goes again, slightly against the direction of travel for the circuit and, and actually pulls the car right in. Um, now, because of that, the car was, I'd say, 99% out of the way. Um, you know, you'd have to be coming at a really oblique angle and bounce off the inside or something like that. Um, to have managed to hit that car subsequently, if you were a, if you're a driver um, having an incident subsequently, and um, I think because of that, did we need a safety car? No, we didn't need a safety car for that. A VSC could have covered it. Um, you know, even including the idea of just rolling the car back, maybe to to slightly make the the route uh, fully behind the barriers easier. Um, but I would like to point out that the the reason that was given by race control was that the GPS um, uh, signal basically showed the the car as still potentially being on track. Um, so I, you know, I can understand why they went with the decision they did, but there was a certain amount of you know, look out the window, guys. It's it was very clearly not on track. Um, I, I don't think we needed a full safety car. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's 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 quite a good way to look at it. And I was I was going to mention what you said about um about about the, about the GPS sort of picking up that, that his car was still showing us on track. Alex, what do you think about about the whole sort of safety car incident? Well, I don't think there's much more I can add to that because I, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I don't think it was a safety car at all. And uh, as I mentioned, the um, the GPS was picking was picking up that it was on the track. But you know, use your eyes. You know, it, it clearly wasn't. And surely there's. Uh, there's people, there's, there's, you know, cameras on the corner, and there's, and there's people there that can that can monitor monitor it back to tell you that it's clearly not on the track. There was no need for a safety car. I think it was, it's, it's another um, element of the theatre uh, that comes into Formula One, which has happened a lot in the last few years, you know, to try and create this fake entertainment, which I call it. Um, and it, 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 but the thing is, it didn't even bring anything else to the race, to be honest, other than bring Max Verstappen into the game uh, a lot quicker than he would have done. Uh, so, no, I don't think a safety car was necessary at all. I think it would easily have been covered under BSC or even failing that double yellows. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 think, I think that's fair enough. Um, Phil, have you got any sort of differing viewpoints on this? No, I just figure they threw a competition yellow to make give Max a chance to win. Um, that's that's really what they wanted to do. So it is one of the places where he's shown his best. So the fact is, um, I mean, he was going to get there anyway, to be fair. I am not trying to be a dick about it. I knew he was going to get on the podium more than likely. He does this every time he's buried in the field. So that's fine. 
but they did not have to throw that full safety car. Um, I think you would have marshals all around the track that are actually reporting to race control. Okay, fine. Yeah, that one tractor is blocked. Okay, that can be an issue, but you could also have there's fail safes on the car to move it, do whatever you have to do. You have jacks, move it out of the way. It's out of the racing line. It's not in theoretical line of fire, even though that whole entire racetrack is essentially a line of fire figuratively and figuratively and, you know, literally and figuratively, but no need for that safety car. I think, I mean, the race was already a processional draw. It was drawn out processional deal. Instead, they just made the competition yellow so that, Sergio Perez would have to work a little harder for that win. Uh, and then, in ter- but I will also say that that competition yellow helped Ferrari be Ferrari and go and put on the wrong tires. And um, by the time they, they, they're like, oh man, the hard tires don't work. I mean, Lewis said it well before that. And the vast majority of the teams <laughs> were able to fight through it, but Ferrari was the, the rare example of not. So, um, that was one thing that really, other than the competition yellow for, for Max, I think that was one thing it screwed Ferrari over. Probably would have gotten at least one car in the top five for sure if they hadn't had that safety car. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I think all, 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 the, all the safety car did was effectively punch the field, which it obviously normally does. Um, Alonso managed to save his five second penalty, and then it, it sort of, it sort of, negated any, any kind of threat on on that front. Um, just just to add my viewpoint to it, and just can reiterate what I said in our live chat when we were watching the race. Um, I I can understand why the full safety car was thrown, especially given the nature of Jeddah and how fast the circuit is. I um, I also agree with what with what all of you said, especially you, Alex, where where you said. All it needed was someone to, oh, I don't know, use their eyes and see that the car is actually off the circuit. On the flip side, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, what I would say is imagine if we didn't have a full safety car. Imagine we only had waved yellows or double waved yellows and somebody binned it because they were still going significantly faster through that section. And then we had a horror smash because we've seen how easily it can happen in Jeddah. Um, and also, you know, with, with cars in general. So I think uh, in the grand scheme of things, I would rather see F, uh, F1 and the FIA be overcautious as opposed to just let anything happen. You only have to look at Japan last year, you know, um, to see how things could have potentially ended. So that's 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 my viewpoint on that. Um I mean that 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 is your sort of rundown of of all the drivers of of all of all of all the of all the sort of major incidents of which there weren't any. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you all again now um, a question. Uh, just just to because it's been on the calendar for a couple of years, um, and we'll go back round in order. Do you think Jeddah should stay on the on the calendar long term? And I'm not talking about because of where it is, you know, geographically. That is a different conversation. I'm talking in terms of racing. And if you take into take into account the three races we've had over the last sort of two and a half years, if you take into account any incidents that have happened or any crashes, look at last year with Mick and Leclerc and stuff like that. Then obviously 2021, you know, where Hamilton and Verstappen played bumper cars. Um, think about 
uh, think about what we've seen so far from Jeddah. Um, well, um, and then uh, and then then give give me give me sort of your thoughts on it. So, Owen, back to you first of all. I've just said I've just said think about it, and I'm coming straight to you. Sorry, mate. Um, do you think Jeddah as the circuit should stay on the calendar? Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I think it's it's difficult to say because in in some ways, you know, we could go. I could go no because I don't. Th- you know, the, the, obviously, as as you mentioned, the you know it's a punishing circuit. If you do, if you get it wrong at times by you know a millimeter, or you go through in slightly the wrong line and you try and push through, um, you're going to have a, a you know massive shunts, uh, and we've seen them happen time and time again. You know, you know two or three times. Um, the the reaction time that you're going to have because of the blind corners, uh, the nature of some of the corners, um, even with the alterations that they've made, and I could put credit, to, I give them credit for making those uh, for making those changes. That has actually, uh, I think those changes have also made the circuit even faster um, with the way that the drivers can get uh, over the curves where they weren't able to in, in the areas where the walls have been taken back a bit. Um, it, you know it. It's the top tier of motorsport. It's an incredibly punishing track, and it really does sort, um, you know, the drivers who have got it from the drivers who haven't. Um, you know, it 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 is a challenge, and I think the Formula One World Championship needs to be a challenge of numerous different styles. So you do have the, you know, the high speed nature of Jeddah. You do have the the close confines of uh, and, and endurance of Monaco, and then and 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 obviously you then go to the to the other uh, styles of circuits that we go to, like. You know, classics like Spa or, or, um, you know, Austria or Mexico or or Silverstone or whatever. So I I think it it does it does add to the kind of um it adds to the sort of r- rounded challenge that we have where the best driver and team will come out on top over over the twenty whatever races we have now twenty three I think um. The question is, I don't, you know, do we need to push it to its logical extreme? I, I know there is this push to street circuits um, from a commercial point of view. They're, they're significantly better commercially than uh, than ones out in the sticks. Like, you know, Silverstone is pretty far, pretty hard hard to get to, and, and Spa's not Spa's not much uh, is even worse as far as I can tell. Um, whereas a city circuit obviously may, ha, has its benefits. Um, I'm not sure that's the way i think f1 should be going but nonetheless it is um i think it's been entertaining enough to probably keep its spot um until they build this new facility that they're meant to be going to soon yeah um okay uh alex what do you think about Jeddah? Yeah, I think it is a difficult one because um, in terms of circuit design, I think they've done they've done well. You can say it's a strict circuit, but it happens to be the second fastest circuit on the calendar. You can overtake on it, and it is a challenge, which is what we want uh, the drivers uh, in top level motorsport to be able to do. Um, but from a personal point of view, uh, as we just touched on with the you know the way we're going in terms of street circuits, I think it, I think we're going a bit too far because we're, uh, we we had Baku come in. Uh, then and we've, and we've got this. We've got Las Vegas coming this year, which I think is is going to be just ridiculous. Uh, in, in all honesty, um, 
you know, we've heard about, um, you know, it's beneficial from the commercial point of view. I'm talking from any Tom Dick or Harry who's a Formula One fan just watching it on the television screen. We don't care about whether, whether it's good from a commercial point of view. We we like, you know, the traditional circuits that, you know, have got heritage uh, that uh, and countries that embrace Formula One, uh, not just uh, to foot line the pockets of FOM. Um, so... Uh, in that respect, it's it's a shame that it's the direction it's going, but that's the reality of life. Uh, but uh, I don't. Th- but on the other hand, I will say it's probably one of the better ones uh, in terms of the street circuits that have come in. Because uh, I forgot to mention Miami, because I think that's that's a bit poor. It's just it's just a car park around the Miami Dolphins uh, stadium. I think that's you know then similar to what F1 did back in the eighties when they did Caesar's Palace car park. It's just. It's uh, it's not it's not exactly the the most hotspot place to host a Formula One race, in, in my opinion, at least. Uh, but in answer to your question, I think um, given we're in the state that F one is now, I think Jeddah is going to be is, is on the calendar long term because it fits the bill perfectly. Um, but it's it's not the worst of the of the street circuits that have come in. Yeah. No, fair enough. That's that's a that's a pretty nice sort of balance view in it, actually. Um, and finally, this should be good, Phil. What's a what's a, what's, what's what are your thoughts on Cheddar? That's a good sign. That... Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the most amazing tracks on planet Earth. Said virtually nobody that isn't Saudi. Um, the uh, the reality of the world is we're going to keep on going there because of Aramco and. FOM, all these other people, they need to line their pockets like the other guys have said. Um, they're supposedly making another circuit, but we don't hear anything about it. If it's anything like how it went to build this circuit, it's going to be horrendous. Um, just like the racing has, I mean, generally speaking, more people remember the more people remember the place for the battle or the, the, in, the insanity that ensued between um, Lewis and Max a couple of years ago. That's and then bombs going off last year. We're, we're close to the racetrack. Um, the track itself, yes, challenging, definitely. In uh, its and it is a test. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, does it really add to the greater good of Formula One? Well, they don't really care because they go to all these dictator com- countries anyway. I could take it or leave it. They're going to be there because they have so much money invested in the sport now. Um, they're going to be there somehow, some way. Would I rather they go to a permanent circuit that might actually have runoffs so then people aren't liable to go and hit a wall at 170 miles an hour? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, and, uh, but there, that's neither here nor there. I mean, Alex's point about the Miami street circuit being in a freaking parking lot is l- literally it's an overrated, like you said, an overrated Las Vegas, you know, like it's one of the dumbest things. And they put a fake uh, pool in there too. I mean, it's as corny as it gets, Um, you know, at least with Baku, it's like actual street circuit. You get some scenery, whatever. Vegas is going to be a joke. So in in a sense, Jeddah is getting covered up by some of these other dumb uh, moves that Formula One is making in terms of circuits when there are plenty of permanent circuits all over the world that could hold a race and actually put on better action. But it is a money grab. I mean, heck, NASCAR is getting an eye, so you know that it's getting crazy. Oh, Phil, I knew I could rely on you to, uh, to, to 
to, to give us a good honest insight in, in into it um yeah I, I mean just you just just uh just just my view on it um Jeddah could could be good I think um I think now that this sort of initial hype around it has died down this year we've seen perhaps a bit more a bit more what, what you'd expect we had DRS transforming by about that five or six so uh yeah not uh perhaps not not the best but um that was your uh, that was your roundup review of the 2023 Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So we just got a few bits, a few a uh, few more bits of promo to do, and then and then we will be bringing this to a close. So first of all, if you enjoyed what you just heard, especially Phil's rants, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five star rating on Spotify or a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're one of the 72 percent of people who are not yet subscribed to the channel please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. We've had a massive influx of subscribers recently. Our numbers are really starting to go up. So thank you to everybody who has subscribed and we look forward to seeing a lot more of you. Now, just quickly, I want to give everybody a chance to promo themselves. So first of all, Owen, as I mentioned, you are one of my co-hosts. Is there anywhere else we can find you? Anything else you'd like to shout out? Uh, the only thing I can suggest is my Twitter that I don't use. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, any anything that anything that brings down Elon Musk, uh, I, I get, uh, anything that uh, sorry adds to the bandwidth that they have to pay that Elon Musk has to pay for. I, I am well in favour of uh, uh, of adding to. So yeah, if you want to see the occasional tweet I do, it's uh, at Owen Medford. Uh, no spaces. Lovely stuff. Thank you, um, Bill. Tell us a bit more about the Strip Podcast. Yeah, we uh, talk about all things motorsports. I mean, I, I the way I say it, if it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip podcast. We've had some of the crew here on Grid Talk on the show. I'm hoping to do that more as the uh, this year goes on. Uh, we go over things here in, in America, but we also go world. So we're going to go over the Formula One. We're going to go over NASCAR, the 12 Hours of Sebring, which was insane, the World Endurance Championship. We got two wheels and four wheels going on, so we got Supercross as well. So we'll talk all about that. That's myself and my co-host Josh Refine. Um, I'm at Philip G Matthew. He's JP Huffine on Twitter. We're at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter, and we're also on YouTube, Gripstrip Podcast. You can watch the videos of our our recording of the show, and then we put the sound out. Uh, that's on me, actually. I'm behind on that. So that's the fault of the executive producer. But you can hear that episode, and we'll have our latest episode coming out this week, um, going over all things uh, motorsport. So thanks, as always, uh, Tom. Great job uh, hosting, and to um, great to be on with Owen and Alex again. And um, always great to be on Grid Talk. No, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Phil. Um, and finally, Alex, as you mentioned, you are the F1 historian, F1 extraordinaire. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Um, where, where can we find you? Uh, I've, I'll, I'll be in the archives of uh, the F1 Chronicle. There's a few of my classic race reports on there um, that uh, falls off my fingers on a keyboard uh, from uh, my memories of uh, watching a lot of Formula 1 races in the past and uh, watching all archive footage. Um and yeah, it's, uh, I just uh, continue um, enjoying watching the sport that I love and uh, and making appearances on the podcast with you guys. No, it's, it's good good to have you back on as well, Alex. You know, it's uh, 
know, it's nice, nice to nice to see you coming back. Thank you. But um, yes. So that is everything. So just one more final bit of spiel for for us to say, if I can indeed find it. Can you tell I'm a bit rusty? Um, yes. So. Uh, Grid Talk is available on all your major podcasting podcasting platforms. So that will be uh, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I think we're on Amazon Music. I, uh, I I honestly can't remember, but I know you can find us on uh, on um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. If you search for F1 Grid Talk, you will find our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to both qualifying and race results. You'll also find our newly debuted Formula Talk series, which one of our uh, which one of our panelists, Sophia, hosts, uh, where we look at all things F2, F3 and F1 Academy once that gets going. Please do consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get better mics, lights and recording equipment. Also, as we said earlier, please make sure you are subscribed so you'll be the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. We'll be back soon, probably around a week or so's time, to preview the Australian Grand Prix. Until then, thank you ever so much for listening and watching, if you are indeed live, and goodbye.